0: Thank you for downloading today's podcast. I'm your host, Josh Van Campen. Today we've got a special guest, Alana McKay, who is a current PhD scholar. Alana, how are you doing? Good, thank you. So really keen to hear about the current project that you're working on. Are you able to tell all our listeners of what current research you're doing?
1: So my PhD is aimed at looking at athlete health and the effects of different diets that athletes are implementing on their health. So we know that uh, athletes are implementing diets that either restrict carbohydrate acutely or restrict carbohydrate chronically like the ketogenic low carbohydrate diets and we're looking at the effect that has on an athlete's immune function and also their iron metabolism.
0: So where did this all come from? Where, did, did, where, When did you decide this is what you want to be researching?
1: I was lucky enough to be in an environment where the project sort of kicked off and uh, Professor Louise Burke over at the AAS, she's the head of nutrition, dreamed up this big project Supernova, and the aim of it was to look at the ketogenic high-fat diet in relation to performance outcomes sure. in these elite race walkers, and it just seemed like a good opportunity for us to tack on and um, be a part of that project, but look at it from the health perspective.
0: Is it so? Is it you're concentrating, I guess, on the elite athletes and the, mm. the elite walkers that you're talking about? Is it then to go into the general population as well? Is that where you want to transfer it all to?
1: I think some of the knowledge is going to be transferable, but um, the elite, these guys, they're walking 200 kilometres a week, so they're a very individualised population, but, and we're trying to optimise their health because I don't think health is prioritised in that group of athletes compared to, say, performance outcomes. Why is that? Uh, I think an athlete will do anything they can to get a 1% improvement in performance, and I think sometimes if it comes at the cost of an athlete's health a little bit, Um, they're going to take it. So it's important to know what health outcomes are going to come from these diets that they're implementing um, so so we can be aware.
0: Will this ever go to other athletes as well, not just the walkers?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think particularly other endurance athletes, so we've also done studies in triathletes now looking at some of these approaches, Um, cyclists, runners, yeah.
0: Will it be go to any of the team sports as well? Kind of, I guess, you know, with the hockey being based here, would the hockey players be pl- somewhere looked into this?
1: Uh, we haven't got plans at the moment, but I think the outcomes could be definitely relevant to other sports as well. So
0: if basically, I guess you could produce the results, results are positive, then that's probably when they start looking at the other sports, yeah. is that kind of how it works?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think the elite athlete endurance model, you know, we know these things can be time dependent. So when we get these guys to train for two hours, for them, it's very easy, so we can study it very easily. And then we can transfer it into team sports where their movements may be different. So they're more explosive or short duration movements.
0: So when did the passion come for for you to work with elite athletes?
1: Mm. So I actually grew up as a ballet dancer and I trained nearly 25 hours a week as a sort of teenager. So I did school part time and ballet part time. And then once I decided I wanted to go to uni, I essentially picked sports science because I thought it'd be the fun degree to do and once I started I realised that I really enjoyed it and I think the, the mindset of being an elite dancer that would train multiple times per day and the dedication that takes I found transferred into elite athletes and the mindset they have so I just sort of realised I really enjoyed working in that environment.
0: Did you get exposure when you were a ballet dancer to any of the sports science that you're working on today?
1: No, a hundred and definitely not um, and I think that's sort of when I started studying I went wow if I'd known this and if I'd known this it would have been really helpful Has
0: anything changed in the world of ballet? I mean are they getting more exposed to the sports science side of things?
1: Yeah I think so and I think uh, there's I've seen PhDs advertised with the Royal Ballet in England and different things like that they all have strength coaches and something I wasn't probably uh, exposed to but I think it's definitely growing and especially in terms of athlete uh, or ballet dancing health um, that's something that's growing as well.
0: Is that something you'd want to get yourself involved in in the near future as well? Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, going over to, to England would be a bit of fun for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Royal Ballet is something else there, so yeah.
0: Now, I'm really keen to find out, you know, why did you choose to study a PhD? Because I mean, not everyone, you know, does an undergrad and wants to move into a PhD. Where, where did that come from?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, really lucky after my undergrad, I got a position as a postgrad scholar at the Australian Institute of Sport. And I spent a year there working And I just realized everybody around me had PhDs. Anybody that had a job that I wanted to go into had a PhD. And I guess to work at the very elite level with elite level sports, you need to have that understanding or that qualification. So I kind of started a PhD as a means to an end. You know, I wanted to get the job. So I decided to do the PhD and it's only sort of as I started that research journey that I actually realized I really enjoy research just as much as I enjoy the servicing and working with athletes. So it's
0: something you probably weren't expecting to enjoy as much. No,
1: no, no, definitely not. Reading and writing is not my strongest attribute. So I didn't know how I'd go, but I yeah really enjoy it.
0: Now you touched on about uh, spending time at ASC. You, know, you moved to Canberra after you finishing your undergrad. I mean, were you nervous about leaving Perth?
1: Yeah, I was really nervous. I think I was, I just turned 21, you know, I was still living at home. My parents still cooked for me. I couldn't cook and I just took off to the other side of the country to Canberra, which probably doesn't have the best reputation being a fun city you might <laughs> want to move to. So, yeah, I was super nervous. But at the same time, I had not much to lose. I was um, didn't have a job coming out of undergrad and that yep. was kind of a dream position that I could have got coming straight out of an undergrad.
0: Did you have set goals for when you moved to Canberra? Did you have a goal in mind that you're like, All right, I really want to meet this expectation or I want to get a job at the IAS I mean Mm. anything in particular
1: not too much in terms of a goal but I kind of wanted to immerse myself in that environment and figure out if that's what I want to do Mm. Um, it was a really good year where I got exposed to so many different things in elite sport whether it's research or servicing or traveling with teams and different things so I yeah I just wanted to figure out if that's what I want to do and then look at where to go next.
0: One important thing, I guess, that you've probably done in your undergrad was volunteering. I mean, you did some stuff at West Coast Eagles and East Perth. How Mm. important is it to volunteer during your undergrad?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. And yeah, I was at the West Coast Eagles and East Perth as part of our degree in sports science. We have to do 150 hours of volunteering to graduate. Um, and if I looking back now I probably should have done a little bit more. People you meet um, when you're volunteering and the skills you gain that are really important to set you up. To go so at So,
0: start of every year you've been told you've got to do 150 hours what was mm. your first initial reaction?
1: <laughs> I was working a, a lot to support myself at the time so to fit 150 hours of unpaid work in is a little bit daunting but and I know other degrees can be up to 500 hours of unpaid work within a year so it's a little bit daunting but you make time for it and yeah, it's rewarding if you find something that you actually are interested in as well.
0: Did it help you, I guess, with what you're doing today as well?
1: A hundred percent. And I talked, I know the, the head of the AS Physiology at the time, I talked to him after I was given the position in Canberra and I rocked up and I didn't really have the skills. Everybody else had an honours degree and I was a bit unsure why I was there. I um, mean, he just said that the the experience I had volunteering and working at those other elite um, sports clubs put me in good stead for the position. So
0: how did that opportunity present itself? Did you go out to the Eagles in East Perth or was it something presented to you as a student?
1: Uh, it was something presented to us, but it was something that we had to sort of take the initiative and contact people. And um, we knew there were opportunities there. And yep. once we were set up, we had a, a place to go. Yeah.
0: So how many of you, I guess, were volunteering at the time from UWA?
1: Uh, we had, there was probably 10 of us at yep. the Eagles in one capacity in the um, sort of performance analysis side of things um there was another group i guess that were doing on field sort of helping coaching and things like that and you know there's so many different positions out there with you know there's eight waffle clubs there's hockey clubs here um so there's positions that you can get involved in you just got to look for them
0: is it did you ever look in your undergrad and see other people just not making the effort and you're like they're not going to make it
1: yeah a little bit yeah and i think you know the ones that did make the effort are the ones that are now doing really well
0: yeah. And are you in contact with anyone that you from the Eagles in East Perth still today?
1: Yeah yeah I um yeah still talk to them I ha- recently had to get accredited as a sports scientist so I had to go back and talk to them and ask them to sign some documents and they're all you know interested in what we're doing now as well. So
0: would any of them you consider a mentor to you?
1: Probably more from the AAS. I spent yeah. a lot more time there obviously I was there in full time for a year so um yeah I have some really good mentors from the AAS that are
0: So how important is it to have a mentor?
1: (laughs) So important. I think particularly one of my mentors, Piney, from the AAS. I rocked up there. So green. I had no uh, practical skills, no research skills, and he really took me under his wing and sort of taught me what I needed to know to be successful. And even four years later, he's my PhD supervisor and still sort of guiding me through that.
0: Are you mentoring anyone yourself?
1: I'm not mentoring anyone myself. I probably <laughs> don't consider myself that qualified to be mentoring. Well, anyway. no, I think I, I
0: think a lot of a lot of uh, students could learn so much from you. I think you're, it's, you've, you've got a clear. There's a clear. Blueprint to success that I think you've basically have presented, and you've identified that you know if you want to further your career in sports science, that the PhD is where you need to need to go. So mm. I know I've learned a lot from you already in this short <laughs> period of in this short period of time. You know, so yeah. um, really keen to touch on, I guess, especially with your time at AS. You know, you spent some time working with athletes in the lead up to the Rio Olympics. What was that like? Was it really intense being around some of these athletes?
1: Yeah, I think it was. It was a fast learning curve, I think. I um, I was really lucky in that I worked uh, day-to-day with the Paralympic um, swim squad, the one that's based in Canberra, so the National Training Centre. And I also was involved with the Centre of Excellence with Basketball Australia, so a group of basketball players, sort of high school, about to go off to college in yep. the US. So yeah, it was a very different environment. I remember one time we had a swim camp and. You know, at the Rio Olympics, they were swimming at 12 o'clock at night. So we replicated that through training camps at the AAS. So we were, you know, holding competitions in the middle of the night and doing all sorts of crazy things to try and prepare the athletes for what they were going to experience in Rio. So, yeah, lots to learn very quickly.
0: Is the dream for you to hopefully go to the Olympics one day (laughs) in a a staff position?
1: Oh, that'd be a dream, but we'll see.
0: (laughs) I mean, what is the dream job for you? Is there a dream job you're chasing?
1: Um, I think yeah as I said when I started the PhD 100% was I wanted to serve as athletes and be on sort of be at the coalface every day with the athlete but I think as I've sort of gone through my PhD I have realized I really enjoy the research side of it and it's always exciting and new and there's always something else to do so if I could go into a position that's maybe even a blend of both so working with athletes but also doing applied research that's going to benefit that athlete I think that's Probably the dream job.
0: So there's maybe the, your dream job maybe doesn't exist at the moment. Yeah. You're going to create it for yourself, <laughs> which is possible. That's awesome. We're going to wrap up soon, but what advice would you give to a first year student?
1: I think it's really important to try everything. You know, I don't think I would have realized how much I enjoy doing the science and the sports science as- aspects of things if I hadn't sat through law units and, you know, politics units and things that I didn't enjoy to know what I did enjoy. So I think it's important to go out and try everything. And once you find something you like to to make the extra effort and talk to people about it.
0: Now, one last qu- question. With, with what you're working on with your PhD, uh, with what you're getting the athletes to do, do you do it yourself?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, well, I mean, I'm not running a two-hour trial anytime soon, but we have, when we did the ketogenic diets, we did sit on the diet for a couple of days and it's tough. You know, I don't think people realise the ketogenic diet restricts carbohydrates to the extent where... You know, it's the equivalent to sort of two very small bananas a day. And we were making recovery smoothies that instead of putting milk in, you put cream in. And, you know, instead of eating a lot of different vegetables that you might in a salad, you pretty much just got avocados because they're so high in fat. So those sort of aspects we definitely expose ourselves to,
0: yeah. And is that important for you to expose yourself to it? Because I guess it helps you, I guess, relate to the athlete during the time?
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it's been shown that these diets, particularly the first week when you're adapting – you know, they're moody, they're grumpy, they're, <laughs> it's well documented now that they didn't really like us for the first week and by sort of doing that, you can kind of relate to them a little bit more. Have and you got
0: any good stories that you can share with oh, us? Oh,
1: yeah, one, one particular athlete, he knows who he is and he uh, was very grumpy one day and we made him go out for a 30 kilometre walk, just a training walk and I had a drink bottle thrown at my head accidentally and yelled at as he walked off and, you know, this went on for about <laughs> four laps of a 30k loop and... We all laugh about it now, because he's probably the nicest person you could meet, but at the time he was throwing and drink
0: bottles and all sorts Now, No, of one of my good friends is a triathlete, and i uh, tell you what, the amount of times I've given him a Snickers in my time, because <laughs> when, when he's hangry, it's, yeah. uh, you don't want to be around that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Athletes can be tough work sometimes, but uh, Alana, that's all the time we've got. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your research, and hopefully once it's all finished, we'll be able to see how it's all gone. Yeah, perfect, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for downloading today's podcast. Did you know that UWA has alumni networks in Perth, Albany, Canberra, New York, the United Kingdom, Hong Kong, Malaysia and Singapore? You can become an active alumni member and stay connected to your UWA community by visiting the alumni website today.